Okay. Uh, good afternoon. <laughs> Come on, man. This is 2022, <laughs> right? Get the get the notes app. <laughs> That's funny. That's hard to multitask on a phone if you're laying in bed, and unless you have two phones, and then the clip, <laughs> clipboard is just easier. I can yeah. just burn it out. Analog is the way to go. Yeah. There you go. In more ways than one, right? <laughs> All right. Yep. Good afternoon. Uh, oh, I guess good evening, everybody. Uh, only six o'clock here where I'm at. So uh, thanks to that lovely time change that uh, hopefully soon we won't have anymore. So there's that. Um, so with us tonight, as always, is Dan, uh, Alex, and Dave. I'm Josh. Um, I do have a couple uh, newsworthy articles uh, to um kind of push out at you again the news cycle is being dominated by ukraine um and what's going on there especially on the drone front which i do have one article to um push through on that but i'm gonna try and keep it a little light but um excuse me let's see let me share my screen and get through into this <clears throat> so, uh, this comes from SUAS News. Um, if you are flying uh, the DJI FPV, um, we they've found that uh, there's a update to the DJI FPV drone that prevents adding other firmware, such as ones that might unlock no-fly zones or increase range. Um, so, this is kind of going to be essentially a firmware lock kind of update. Um, so if you want to keep your DJI FPV drone kind of free uh, to, to move between firmwares, um, this would be one to avoid. So uh, just make sure there's, you know, if you're going to keep it that way, there's no automatic updates or anything um, and uh, kind of push through on that. So real quick, real, real easy on that one and there's no other reason to install the firmware right that's not like there's improvements or fixes or anything it just doesn't seem like no it just seems like it's a firmware lock update did dave what were table? you saying did you see the table that blunty posted i did uh, not no had a, had a good representation of uh uh what's supported what's uh what's what with uh, each of the firmware releases and it just uh underscores what uh, dan was saying so if you're gear is is functioning there as on the version one there's not been a uh, function any uh, functional updates uh long time over a year i believe yeah and i mean obviously if it's if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of update so um obviously uh these things don't have an issue with flying uh they communicate as long as they're communicating with your phone or software um and everything's good, then there's no need to, to update these. So um, just keep that in mind. Um, let's see. Uh, this is one that's uh, a little close. Alex was the first one to kind of mention this uh, a couple weeks ago. This was uh, um, the movie Ambulance with Jake Gyllenhaal and uh, Isa Gonzalez. Um directed by Michael Bay. Um, and they go, they say, uh, 
Say what you want about his movies, but director Michael Bay has a distinct, immediately identifiable visual style. Usually things exploding like all over the place on the screen. And a major reason behind that is his dedication to upping the ante with every new project. A new featurette for his latest film, Ambulance, reveals the Maverick drone photography that Bay developed, uh, deployed this time around. Uh, his executive producer, Michael Case, said in the two-minute featurette that he has worked with Bay on nine movies, and one of his first jobs on every movie is to find the newest and coolest gear out, out there. On Ambulance, they landed on the FPV drone. Manually operated by a pilot equipped with virtual reality headset, the FPV drone is able to capture dynamic shots that almost seem to defy the laws of physics. I don't know that I'd call it a virtual reality headset, but, you know, a headset of The sorts. public certainly calls them that. Yeah, they sure do. It's the easiest way to describe what we do, too. So, um, what's that? A post from Vanover that he worked on this film? Yeah, I was actually getting to that. So, he actually oh. has a quote down here that I was going to... Uh, okay read through um so alex vanover who operated the fpv drone on the movie spoke about the processes as well in his own words when i'm flying the drone i'm acting like superman in a way i'm trying to get these uh really unique angles and shots i fly what's called an fpv drone and fpv stands for first person view we wear a set of goggles on our face and when i'm flying this drone i'm actually flying it with a vr headset i'm able to see exactly what the drone's seeing in real time it's a whole new arena for flying and it allows us to fly really crazy locations and get some really awesome shots that you can't get with any other camera or drone. Um, so uh, definitely uh, pretty cool. Um, yep, I will be checking out this movie. Um, they do describe a couple of the shots um, where it glides up the side of Los Angeles City Hall, performs an impossible pirouette, and then descends down the other side of the building. Another shot zooms underneath uh, a mid-jump cop car. Bay's signature freeway chase sequence also uh, also look fresh this time around thanks to the drone footage. So pretty cool that uh, um, FPV is getting more main, more and more mainstream. I think, uh, you know, from where I started, where very few people knew what it was, to DRL, to uh, things like uh, Red Bull and... Uh, extreme sports filming and then on to to movies and whatnot so pretty cool that uh we're moving up in the world as a as a community and a hobby so um yeah this one is uh an interesting article it's titled uh, a short battery life is a drone's worst enemy which is something we all know um we all wish we could fly longer this comes from robotics tomorrow um so IARPA um, awards $10.2 million for battery research to a team of performers led by Rutgers University for the Resilience Program. Um, and it says, sensors and small aerial drones are touted as force multipliers for the military. Drones known as special to specialists as unmanned aerial vehicles serve as the eyes and ears for combat and surveillance operations while keeping soldiers and intelligence personnel out of harm's way. UAVs can be configured to detect weapons, track troop movements, and even pick up trace amounts of chemicals. But a key component that has long stymied uh, UAVs is a adequate power source. Aerial drones typically cannot fly long um, or as well uh, 
in demanding operational conditions as many missions require. Now scientists and engineers are developing a power source for UAVs that can better withstand conditions such as large temperature fluctuations, vibration, and shock. The new tech incorporates recent advances in electrochemistry, microelectronics, and packaging that combine for a novel energy storage. The aim is to create a reliable power solutions for missions conducted in extreme and challenging environments and potentially triple battery life over the best-in-class lithium-ion. Um, so they go on and on uh, about this. I've read through this. Um, they have a goal of developing a power source for drones, small sensors, and portable devices that exceeds that of rechargeable lithium-ion batteries and single-use legacy lithium batteries. The team is working to create new electrochemical energy storage solutions and lay the foundations for using rechargeable lithium metal in the power source they create. The vision is to extend battery life and design a battery that can be charged and discharged thousands of times. So if we can get more life per charge and more cycles per battery, I think that would be a big boon. Obviously, the stuff is going to... Um, start off in a military grade aspect but you know as with a lot of things i think that happen yeah tesla would like something like that but a, a lot of things that uh you know start off uh government or military in design often trickle down eventually into uh, you know consumer use so uh so especially name, things like battery if my Go organizational ahead. name was robotics Tomorrow, I don't think I would use the abbreviation RT. Just <laughs> Not right now. Timing, timing, timing. Right. Whatever happened to fuel cells? Um, is it Hyundai has a fuel cell uh, car? It's for you know they're it's uh, in production and for sale. And there are other drones that do operate on fuel cells as well, hydrogen exactly. fuel cells. Yeah, cars. Yeah, cars too. I was talking about a car as well as uh, Toyota has a, a a a fuel cell or hydrogen cell car as well. Mm -hmm. And I think before it got canceled, I believe uh, what is it? It's not Tesla. It's the other one. Nikola was developing a pickup truck that uh, was hydrogen fuel cell. Yeah, the Badger. Yeah, good looking pickup. I wish they did cool. get canceled. It. <laughs> I know, right? And the I cool thing is. I would want it. I would too. Absolutely, it's I like, would. And the, the exhaust so on cool. it, the exhaust on a hydrogen-powered vehicle is pure water. So it actually channels its exhaust into a water cell that you can use to, um, like, shower or do dishes. The, I mean, like, utilize like when you're out off-roading in the sun, we should say. And but, in deference to TextJet, a good Chevy man, there is a uh, announcement <laughs> in the news today that. Uh, General Motors and LG are uh, increasing production of a U.S.-based battery plant in western Michigan. I just nice. read that, actually. It's a lithium plant. They're doing lithium-ion and uh, just general lithium cells, so that's really important. Ah, here, here. I'm I, loving to hear I, that. This kind of triggered me because every time you hear about military tech and <laughs> hydrogen and magic battery technology with three times the... Uh, right capacity uh a serious grain of salt i'll be hearing this kind of stuff for decades and it's Absolutely. a formula for trollers and fake companies <laughs> and everything else yeah no i mean i i'm with you you know people have been trying to develop better batteries for a long time right and i mean yeah, even... in the end there's no magic right like we all know right. how magical 
light bulbs are and how much you can abuse them and right. yes, package them and do all the fancy things, but that's not going to give you three times. What. So when you make claims like that and you mix in military applications, it's usually like their formula. That's how I got triggered. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're fine. I mean, I'm with you in, in terms of when battery tech, when, when you talk about battery technology, literally, you know, you're going to take it worth a grain of salt. And I mean, even in our space, the, the new, the newer thing, uh, a couple of years back was graphene, right? Graphene was going to make all the difference. And it's just a, you know, it's just a marketing gimmick. A lot. We of know how incremental and difficult progress is, right? We've been doing okay. it and we see mm -hmm. like how much time it takes and how much effort it takes. And it does move on. Right. So that steady pace, I trust like someone right. up and claiming things, Ooh, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and it's funny, too, because even in the technology space, what is it, Moore's Law? Uh, this would probably be more up your alley, uh, Dave and Alex, uh, when we were, I mean, in, in talking about incremental increases in processing power, right? And, you know, double every so often, and nowadays it's... Uh, it's leveling uh, off. Yeah, severely leveling off, right? Yeah, so, we hit physical limits pretty hard on silicon. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's the amount of voltage, you know, that it can take, you know, versus the, the processing power it can deliver. And um, you're literally running up against that wall. And, you know, they, they're trying to overcome that by, you know, smaller, you know, smaller uh, nanometer processes and, and packing more cores and, and that kind of thing. And um, But, you know, we've really kind of hit the, the actual, you know, physics wall. On, yeah, on at this point, right? quantum tunneling is a massive problem within processors where the electrons are just hopping around. They don't care anymore. It's too close. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, when you pretty talk interesting. About two, two and four nanometer wires on, on uh, silicon. It's, 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 it takes you a minute to say, wait a second, two nanometers, one times 10 to the negative nine meters. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Right. <laughs> So pretty interesting. I mean, all that kind of stuff. It's like, you know, it almost at this point to advance further beyond that, it's, you know, entire change in processes or materials or, or you know, things that nobody's thought of. Pretty interesting. All right. So I don't know that we've, I mean, we've talked about it, but we haven't like talk, talked about it um, just because we haven't been able to, but uh, both Dave and Dan were part of the BV loss arc. Um, and this comes from our own website. So shameless plug there. But uh, Dave was uh, kind enough to write up a uh, kind of perspectives from the B BV loss uh, um, submission to the FAA. Um, and a couple, I just want to kind of hit some of the key points on here. So one of the big things that... Uh, uh is in there is um shielded operations and um there's links in the in the report uh to get to the pdf and um whatnot but uh basically uh today uh suas must yield the right of way to crude aircraft in all situations and this is something we've all grown accustomed to right um if your spotter tells you there's an aircraft or you hear here one when you're flying, you know, you yield the right away to the aircraft. This is a basic safety tenant that's been around since I've been flying. And I'm sure Dave for a long time since you've been flying. Um, 
So this is this is nothing new. But what is new um, is that the recommendations put forth by the BV Loss Arc uh, propose that a crude air, for a crude aircraft to operate in Class G below four hundred feet, uh, which means they would be entering into our airspace essentially, what we utilize for for uh, model aviation and and FPV and whatnot. The crude aircraft must have ADS-B out enabled. This would allow the UAS to detect the crewed aircraft and yield right of way. If the crewed aircraft chooses not to use ADS-B, the crewed aircraft must yield the right of way to the UAS. So they are responsible if they do not have the ADS-B to see and avoid uh, the UAS that's flying. Um, First, much of the right of way... Go ahead, Dave. That's a huge deal. Anyone who Mm -hmm. has their was taken their uh, part 107 or as a uh, part 61 other uh, certified pilot they know, they know that all drones must yield right away to all crewed aircraft full stop and this is a proposal or recommendation to the FAA that that change if the um, pilot or operator of an aircraft chooses not to use ADSB out in when they're flying below 500 feet so this uh met with uh, significant dissension, and there are some non-concurrences, uh, but this was the um, the consensus view that was proposed to the FAA. So a very positive, as well as the embraced idea of shielded operations. So a pretty big deal for us in uh, drones. And of course, the entire Be- Beyond Visual Line of Sight Aviation Rulemaking Committee is to or scoped to commercial only, but uh, we're hopeful to have uh, some knock-on benefit uh, for recreational. All right, so the next one would be uh, uh, shielded operations. So this recommendation recommendation defines shielded operations as 100 foot above and 100 foot laterally, say that five times fast, uh, around an obstacle or structure. Um, by saying obstacle or structure, the meaning is a natural, like is natural, like a tree or man-made. Of note, this recommendation is made for Part 107 pilots. This is the uh, recommendation the FPV Freedom Coalition will be asking the FAA to extend to recreational UAS operators. Um, so, uh, essentially, this creates a bubble a uh, hundred feet um, above any natural or man-made structure and 100 feet laterally. So as long as you're within that, um, then you are in shielded operations. um, And within that, you do not have to yield uh, right away to any aircraft. Um, So pretty, uh, pretty good stuff that we were, you know, we've been we've been pushing shielded operations ever since the day we heard of it. Um, from uh, Bruce, and now it's in an official ARC recommendation to the FAA. Um, and we grant that 100 feet laterally is not very far, but if you're flying within a place like a park where there's tree after tree after tree, you're creating a, a sufficient zone uh, where you can fly, essentially. So I think to, to answer TextJust's question about... If the airplane has to have ADS-B out, wouldn't the drone have to have something to detect that? I think the assumption is that either the drone or the drone operator would, in a B-1 
BV loss uh, commercial operation would have some way to detect that ADBSB signal so that you can more easily avoid those aircraft. Sort of like what and the DJI it, FPV drone has today. Also keep in mind that, um, you know, the, the BV loss, um, it arc was focused on commercial generally. Um, there, I mean, all, uh, most of the players, uh, in that, um, on that team were all commercial. Um, and it's going to focus, you know, extensively on part 107 and, um, greater kind of requirements. So the, the key point here is that you get it introduced for one, it's easier to move it over to the, uh, to the recreational side, right? Um, it's a common sense uh, move to to create shielded operations for recreational. Um, it's common sense to create essentially protected zones where we can fly, um, uh, whether that's through shielded operations or just a height requirement. Um, so it's interesting seeing a recommendation that changes manned aviation for the sake of UAS, as opposed to the other way, changing UAS for the sake of everybody else, right? Um, that's kind of the key points here. So please Dave, correct me if I'm app? wrong there, Dave. No, you're, you're right on target. And the, the idea with, uh, uh, with ADSB is that it was not a requirement. We didn't want to, uh, start laying on equipage and weight to drones, but the common sense, it would make sense that you would have uh, ADSB in just like, um, uh, DGI has added to uh, their FPV drones, and I believe all of their drones after manufactured after 2020 uh, has uh, ADSB in. So it's not uh, it's not hit. It's not you know if you integrate it, it's not heavy. It's not difficult, and it's uh, it's prudent, uh, particularly if we can get something like this into the regulations. Absolutely. Um, let's see. Uh, let's. Uh, the other big part was uh, the target level of safety, uh, kinetic energy. Um, this is kind of, I mean, Dave, you can probably speak better to this, but this, not exactly what we of, were looking for. This is a bit of a hot button of ours. And um, the then DAC, now AAAC, Advanced Aviation Advisory Committee, Tasking Group 11, uh, we were asked by the FAA to uh, review a white paper on uh, safety and and what should be the uh, the metrics for safety for uh, UAS and uh, came up with a a really sensible uh, target level of safety calculation and uh, the primary author of that uh, is Tony Nanini from uh, Google Wing a brilliant uh, young engineer um, and he is also uh, was on the uh, was one of the subject matter experts for the BV loss, but uh, they tossed out uh, what I thought was a very sensible approach and went with the kinetic energy. And as uh, Tony so uh, eloquently says, well, these two things have the same kinetic energy. Which would you rather be hit with, a bullet or a basketball? And uh, so it's you know that is a bullet coming out of a out of a gun. <clears throat> so. We've got some work to do on this one. Not ha not happy with it, uh, but that's uh, that was the the recommendation. They also defaulted to a single value of eight hundred thousand foot pounds of kinetic energy, and they left they clipped the uh, the lower numbers, um, uh, which they've got penciled in on the diagrams of five hundred and thirty foot pounds, uh, 
in the in the diagrams in in the uh, in the document. So if you you back out with the kinetic, you know, we all remember from our physics. Uh, Alex will be able to uh, spout this off uh, instantly. Kinetic energy equals uh, a one half mv squared, I believe. Yes. And so if you back out, uh, you know, how does that mean? You know, how fast can I go? Well, you can do about 70 miles an hour with a, a one-pound drone uh, with these numbers. So they're getting close to the numbers that, you know, would like to fly at. And whenever we turn anything over to the FAA that's so close, you know, we could uh, simply, we could easily foresee it uh, getting, uh, picking up numbers like uh, Category 2 and 3, 11 and 25 foot-pounds, uh, respectively, uh, which, which would mean they would have to... Uh, put parachutes on our drones or slow down to like 10 miles an hour. So this is an area of concern for us. On the upside is one of the sections is that's a really important aspect of this whole uh, beyond visual line of sight arc is the 107 and 107, part 107 extension. And so the proposed the proposal to the FAA was to go ahead and extend the existing part 107 for um, short distance beyond visual line of sight. Now this is hugely positive because it will not obsolete equipment and it will not obsolete uh, the part 107. In addition, the serious beyond visual line of sight lot, you know, many miles out uh, will require a type certified aircraft as well as additional cert certification testing and likely a medical. So, you know, th this is going to be a huge bright line in between uh, long distance beyond visual line of sight and uh, near in uh, beyond visual line of sight if accepted by the FAA. So I think this was a, an enormous win uh, because it, it creates a segmentation or a good scaling uh, that we can utilize for small businesses across the country. Uh, and hopefully we will uh, then uh, bring that into recreational. And then uh, as uh, devices get larger, heavier, and fly way beyond uh, our vision, then uh, they will be type certified. You'll have to take uh, practicals, tests, as well as uh, medical exams, so just like being a pilot in a crewed aircraft. And Dave, so when you're talking about near to you, beyond visual line of sight, you're talking about something that would cover almost every recreational FPV pilot, except like really long range people, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, they, with the exception of the uh, the folks, you know, doing things like uh, you know, twenty, thirty, forty miles out, and uh, so short. Um, the uh, what we're talking about is my bet is it's um, three to uh, three to five miles out is um, uh, for the that's the short or the uh, the extended BV loss, which would be covered by a one hundred seven you know plus. You know, I'm sure just like we saw with a retesting with operations over people, we'll see a retest with uh, uh, with changes for an extended beyond visual line of sight for 107. And how heavy the aircraft, uh, right now it's a small U U uh, UAS or under, under 55, 55 pounds, pounds. Yeah. Is, the, uh, is the notion, but that's, uh, um, uh, you know, again, proposed, not... Uh, not not accepted, right. Yep, yep. And timeline so, on this is like our bet three years, three years plus, if they did it in a shorter period of time, that'd be great. We really need this from a perspective of the United States is way behind on innovation. Um, uh, companies like Google are uh, taking their equipment, 
or to Australia and other places where they can uh, get airspace uh, more easily and, operate and, uh, and, yeah, and operate. And so we need to uh, encourage, and that was a, a theme that was absolutely throughout the entire uh, BV loss uh, arc. An interesting footnote also is that there were 90 companies involved. I was spending up to about 20-some-odd hours a week on this. We, we were pressing for over six months. So this is millions and millions of dollars uh, donated to the FAA for this uh, uh, ARC. So certainly we hope they got um, you know, value, that the FAA gets value out of this. Certainly it's uh, representative of the industry uh, from a sense of their constituents. Um, you know, we, well, I think we were the only recreational representation and certainly proud to be asked by the FAA to uh, represent uh, our community. Absolutely. Um, so I will throw in, there's a link in the website, but there's also, I'll throw in the link to the actual uh, document uh, in case anyone wants, anybody wants to peruse that. Um, we just summarized in, 224 pages. Yeah, right. Uh, with a grand total of 381 uh explore so um let's see uh this is uh this is going to be uh near and dear to alex here state of new jersey um so they're they're doing some wacky stuff but you know it's new jersey waiting for my wife to yell at me right now uh, <laughs> is she from there or likes a place oh she she was born there so they All did right, something so. right well, you know, one thing. <laughs> you want to lead this? You want to lead this one off, Alex? Uh, sure. So, uh, this new uh, bill was introduced to the legislature um two days ago on the twenty-first, and basically it bans every aircraft being sold or operated. Uh. uh that does not have geofencing that would uh, limit 500 operating from five above 500 feet and within two miles of an airport or protected airspace and which includes stadiums and different things like that. This would also come with a punishment of up to 18 months imprisonment or $10,000 fine, or both. And also is supposed to take effect immediately if it gets passed. Could you uh, say that again? Would... What does this cover? This covers, you said something about 500 feet? Every, uh, so every unmanned aircraft system sold or operated by an individual or business uh, shall contain geofencing. The geofencing would... Um, prevent aircraft from operating above 500 feet and within 200 miles of an airport or two miles. Two miles, not 200. Not 200. <laughs> oh, two miles. Sorry. I don't know where I got that from. AKA uh, the whole state of New Jersey is. <laughs> yeah. so there's, two miles. So two, two miles of a protected space, which includes mostly stadia uh, or, or an airport. Yep. And then it's, it, it is a, um, a non-inclusive list. It's a protected space or 
including but mm -hmm. not uh, uh, not a total list. I'm sure if you Absolutely. made two mile circles all over New Jersey, there would be a lot of space that <laughs> that would be covered by those circles. Yeah. Agreed. So that yeah. and it does, and this also includes, but this doesn't. But this is stating that that the geofencing is just has to be on the aircraft. I'm not, sure. Not, but the aircraft. But you'd have to have an aircraft that can fly in those spaces with geo. So, well, with here's geo the here's the thing. Here, there's there's two things at play here. So, one, they're requiring equipage on on manufacturers, right? So, you have to have a geofencing solution, and your geofencing solution must conform to their standards. Um, so it's a twofold process there. And number two is they are indicating it's including, but not limited to these spaces. So at any point, um, the state can declare a, a location of protected airspace. So this could lock down just about the entire state if they so choose. So the geofencing so, has to get regular updates and be modified and yeah. There's no weight regulation so, either. I mean, let's let's put this in an even grander perspective. <laughs> so your twenty-five gram limit... whoop can't fly without geofencing built yep. in. Right. Exactly. And, and that's that's the that's the case that they're making here. Does it even so, state anything you know, about that... indoors versus outdoors? No. So no. you couldn't Is fly in your house. Feet or less than five hundred feet. I think that he's saying the geofencing wouldn't let you fly beyond five hundred feet up, like it would stop you. Right. But you'd need so, something capable of stopping you no matter where you're flying. So you have a, a couple couple things is that, number one, parts of this may and probably are preempted by the FAA. So um, things like 500 feet above. Uh, so for a Part 107 operator, let's say you're doing uh, <clears throat> real estate shots in downtown wherever, um, in New Jersey, let's say Jersey City, right? And you're doing a skyscraper, you are allowed to fly up to 100 feet above the object. Feet above. Four, 400 feet above. So if you've got a 500 foot building plus another 400 foot, um, you're already running into preemption problems right there. So, um, well, I mean, to a certain extent, uh, the onus is on the people of New Jersey to kind of shoot this down. And uh, Vic was calling for um, people to reach out to their their local council members. Um, yeah, this is to... in the state. I believe this is in the yeah, state, state assembly. Yes. And so state. there are. Um, as, and let's see, we probably have the uh, the bill just... number. Yes, uh, two two nine seven Senate number two two nine seven. Senate or House? The uh, Senate. It's the Senate Bill number yeah. two two nine seven. It, it was so, just introduced to the Senate. That. So, so it's yeah, still see, early on. So just as uh, Josh was describing, we feel that it has uh, uh, preemption issues, and that it uh, this is a an, yet another state uh, trying to. Uh, usurp authority that the FAA has had in uh, regulating the national airspace. Um, I agree with uh, TextJet, you know, no standards. Uh, it's also an, an important one uh, to me is that um, violations of uh, airspace are civil offenses, and this is um, 
screen is offense. immediately up to a, a criminality. Yeah, so they characterize it as a fourth degree uh, crime. Uh, that felony? It's they didn't say felony, but fourth degree crime was the the phrase that yeah. they used. Um, they've also excluded public safety and government employees. And yeah, so those. It are, was. Uh, there's also the the commerce uh, aspect of it, which uh, which to felony. me in Jersey is a big deal. It's a populist state, mm -hmm. so saying you know, that we're going to um, crush sales of drones and we're going to um, disturb. Uh, stem uh, in the state uh, that that will not go well so for the uh, people of new jersey plus you know jersey uh, no more being from uh, for, you know about well, about a hundred miles away where i am uh it's it's a new york metro area so mm -hmm. this will have impact across mm -hmm. um millions of people absolutely uh, both in new york uh pennsylvania as well as jersey yep. so if you live in New Jersey, please uh, you know, keep in touch with uh, the DSP um, Alliance. Um, I'm an advisory board member of that organization. We'll stay close with Vic Moss and Kenji Sukahara on this and see if we've uh, got this right in terms of uh, the significant overreach that uh, an overstepping of their authority uh, in the New Jersey legislature. Uh, and if you are a citizen of New Jersey, you know, please uh, stay stay tuned. We will likely be asking uh, you to uh, send an email uh, that is uh, polite, professional, and productive to your state senators. And it should be super easy to come up with an example to show just how ridiculous this is and <laughs> show that nobody would want to oppose it because, or want it to go through. Because all you have to do is say, oh, look, in this high school, they have this STEM program, and they're putting together tiny whoops, and they're this amount of money, and they're flying them in the gym. And you don't want them to do that? This makes that illegal. And you're going to fine them all $10,000? Yeah, uh, dr drone zones in, in New Jersey, too. They yep. do a indoor uh, drone whoop race every mm -hmm. year multiple times. Well, I mean, just, I've already I mean, reached out to them. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. think. I mean, not only just tiny whoops, right? You know, I mean... Think about it. That's just the most absurd Everything. example that makes it easy. Oh, of to. course it is. Or yeah. the Tello for education purposes, because Tello is also common. Right. But, I mean, even think of, you know, like the after-school programs and STEM and, and all that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. Like, you know. Uh, Walmart the, drones, the, toys. Those are, those are going to be super important in, in, you know, everywhere, but in places like New Jersey where, um, I mean, face it. It, there's crime problems there. So keeping kids, you know, in programs where, you know, they're staying out of trouble is important and giving people an outlet. And I mean, New Jersey is beautiful country. So, I mean, what are we going to, I mean, here's the thing is how many companies actually put geofencing into their tech? I mean, I, DJI. DJI. And this I don't maybe Skydio does. Maybe I don't even know maybe. if they do. Does it tell? Bebop had geofencing in it. What's that? I think the Bebop had geofencing in it. Uh, I forget who makes that. Parrot. 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 Yeah. Parrot. So I mean, let's say two or three companies, right, install geofencing into their tech. One of which DJI. I mean, not that I'm saying it's right or wrong, but DJI is on a no sale list, right? So for all you for have to do usage, then is say, Hey, New Jersey, you're pushing people to buy new. DJI drones from China? Right. Yep. <laughs> <It's> like... <laughs>
<laughs> so I mean, well, that's just unmanned aircraft systems. So that would be like helicopters and wings and just everything. Yeah, right? Everything, yes. absolutely. Yep, include yeah, a long plane. Inclusive. Yeah, yeah. So it's all inclusive. So I mean, let's be real here. Is I mean, one hand, the federal government is putting putting you know one company on a blacklist, while the other one, not so far away, is saying, "Ah, come on in. You're the only one welcome here." <laughs> You know, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. So that's my take on it. Um, but you know, I'll give them one thing. At least it's short. This is the shortest bill I've seen in a long time. (laughs) So at least that means maybe some of the senators will read it before they vote on it. You know, I mean, uh, it's like 23,000 pages or or 2,300 pages versus like three. Uh, I'll, I'll, I like three page bills. Yeah, I do too. Pretty good. Anyway throwing that out so um this is the last one i'll cover for this evening um so apparently so clickbait when i first saw that article yeah i know and uh i mean it's coming from axios so what do you expect but at the same time i wanted to know what a switchblade drone was and so this is part of the package that uh the u.s is sending to ukraine uh part of the 800 million dollar package um, unlike the large drones in the U.S. military for uses in, for reconnaissance and deploying weapons against targets, these tiny switchblades are themselves the weapon. Uh, why are they called kamikaze drones? The switchblade drones are sometimes called kamikazes because they act as single-use remote-controlled bombs. They're easily they're small and easily deployed and are tended to hit targets that are outside the line of sight. They are launched out of a tube, much like a mortar. Once launch once launched the switchblade drone can be controlled from the ground before striking its program target as a feature that allows a service member to call off the strike should the target have moved away uh, or civilians are in the area so there's two versions there's a switchblade 300 which is uh, for personnel strikes and then there's a switchblade 600 which is uh, a much larger uh, version it's a uh, 50 pound uh, for use against armored uh, vehicles and trucks so very fast because if you look it says it can fly for 40 minutes but only go 25 miles so it's a cruising speed of 63 miles an hour top speed of 100 miles an hour so they are not fast um they're staying within I mean, the have, faa have, speed limit i mean <laughs> i have drones that can outpace these things <laughs> so um but yeah it's uh it's pretty interesting i was just curious what what these were i you know i was searching for drones and there's a lot of drones being used and i'm going to take this off the screen because i don't care to look at it anymore but um there's a lot of drones being used in ukraine right now um there's drones that uh ukrainians themselves are using to uh you know seek out and and figure out what what the russians are doing uh there's drones being used by russia uh to do the same uh against Ukraine. There's people using them for search and rescue. There's all kinds of stuff going on over there. Um, yeah, it, it's basically a tiny cruise missile, <laughs> a very slow, tiny cruise missile. <laughs> so, it's enjoying uh, but, uh, at the same time, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on and, um, and a lot of it, it has to do with drones. And every time I'm looking for articles for drones, it's, you know, Ukraine drones, Ukraine drones, Russia drones, you know, all this stuff. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, obviously things, you know, kind of calm down 
Um, but at the same time, it's weird, again, seeing, you know, the term that a lot of people use for what we do being used in a military great fashion. So um, it's unfortunate. And but at the same time, you know, it is what it is. Now, so. if this was only drones fighting drones and no people were getting hurt, that would, that would be, be great. Yeah, much, cool. much better. Yeah. You know, whoever runs out of drones first, right? Let's do that. I like that. What did you say, Alex? Isn't that just, isn't that just aerial sports league? <laughs> Pretty much. It's just it's it's just it's <laughs> combat. It's wing. It's you know, wing combat, drone combat. Works. Whoever runs out of drones first wins, right? Or loses. But anyway, um, yeah, it's. Uh, so as we gear up toward uh, whatever we can do to help either the FAA or congress or whoever will is uh, going to be part of it we've got the 2023 faa reauthorization act and uh, that'll be worked on uh, this year so we want to change uh, careless clueless and criminal to careful committed and civil so uh, this is to me with drones you know very much uh, in the spotlight and people in front of mind uh, i hopefully we can change this to a, a stem uh, innovation a uh, uh, onshoring discussion and turn it into a positive for for our industry. This is not ignoring the uh, the invasion of uh, Ukraine at all. Right. But, uh, what we want to try to do to uh, uh, to move forward. And here's the thing: is the last couple, I would say, probably the last two years, uh, there's been a lot of drones for good uh, in the media, and that's not that's something we haven't seen uh, since really the beginning. And I mean, we're seeing drones used for agriculture, search and rescue, um, firefighting, um, you know, all these different things, uh, saving, saving dogs from volcanoes. I mean, all these different things that have happened over the past two years, um, delivering vaccines, um, where, uh, our technology is finally being seen in a good light and we want to carry that momentum forward so that maybe you know hopefully with a lot of luck and a lot of work the you know the next reauthorization um doesn't look like you know the the giant hammer that this last one has felt like um so <laughs> um you know and, and we're committed to to working towards that so um yeah, uh, there's probably going to be a lot this year in terms of reaching out to your local uh, senators and representatives in regards to that. Um, I'm hoping this one is not done in the dark of the night like the last one was um, and uh, that we've actually uh, can see what's coming before we get hit with it. <laughs> so, um, Dave, you got anything to kind of wrap us up? Alex? There's a new uh, AAC uh, tasking group where we've uh, we've volunteered. It's a UAM, um, Urban Air Mobility uh, task, and there's a paper that the FAA has written. This was uh, described in brief detail uh, at the last uh, AAC meeting, and uh, that's that's mostly what cooking. What's cooking? We also have a significant announcement that uh, hopefully you saw on our website, which is. Uh, a partnership with Flight Test. Uh, we started working with Josh Bixler uh, back when we started um, the tasking group 12, K the 
K through 12 integration work. And we saw that a lot of our objectives were really similar and started talking uh, outside of the meetings and got it uh, uh, excited about what we could do together. And so uh, I think we mentioned uh, two weeks ago that uh, we will be uh, leading the FPV experience at Flight Fest uh, this year. Uh, let's see, that's 23 through 27 or 26 June, rather. And uh, so uh, down in, uh, in Ohio. So uh, we're excited about to work with the flight test crew and to work with the flight test uh, community association. And hopefully uh, if you tune into those uh, live streams that they put on, you'll see us. Uh, we were on uh, last week talking about uh, beyond visual line of sight. And we will also be uh, partaking or participating in their uh, FTCA uh, website and portal. So that's uh, good news for us. Uh, they have a huge reach, and uh, we can uh, help them well, with the uh, regulation expertise that we've gained in the last three years of being in, in business. And I think that's all I've got. That was a good update. I don't think I have anything because I think Josh covered it already. Alex, you got anything for us? In the next two weeks? Yeah, April What's starts that? in the next two weeks. April yeah. starts in the next two weeks, which means GQ season and time to get your leaderboard, get a leaderboard time for multi GP and qualify for the global championship. Excellent. Nice. So track the GQ track dimensions are released and GQs start uh, flying AK's track this year. And so, yeah, you won twice in a row. So. There you go. Must be a good track designer. Must be, right? <laughs> so what what are your goals for this year, Alex, with racing? To go fast. <laughs> to go fast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But it's not going to have fun. Yeah. And have working quads. Ah, there you go. If we're, if we're it's NASCAR's go fast, turn left. So it's... <laughs> <laughs> well, we need some right turns, some flippy floppies. There you go. All right. Anybody else uh, have anything they we failed to mention? Something they saw in the news? Something that's concerning to them? Before we wrap this up, evening. All right. Well, with that, thank you everybody for joining. Appreciate the uh, interaction and uh, love to love to have it. So, uh, y'all have a great night, and we'll see you next time. Two weeks.